Hey everybody, we at Podgave Rock and Roll Do You want to make it clear that we don't mean any offense by our comments, critiques, or opinions. We're not music critics, just buddies that use talking about music as an excuse to hang out. Also, our language is intended for adult ears. Enjoy! Cause I'm in the shit house Wish I played in a rock and roll band Somebody give me a dollar bill So I can pass out This week, we are going to take our Under the Influence section into the beginning of the pod and, and talk about the best songs or our favorite songs or most ridiculous songs about being under the influence. Jonathan, what when I say song about under the influence, what first comes to mind? George Jones getting arrested on the side <laughs> of the road. Like a D, there's that DUI footage of him just getting like, before there was a lot of footage of shit. And he, it looks like a drunk possum. <laughs> he was which viral. Is call him possum. Oh um, God! Yeah, he, it's it's fantastic footage, folks. It really I, is great. Really it's is. sad and great. It's great and sad. <laughs> hey, right? It's Oz, the great and terrible. Um, <laughs> I would say "Life in the Fast Lane." That, uh. You know, because it's all that like doctor says he's coming, but you got to pay in cash and all that. And it's dirty seventies after everything was kind of cool, like getting high. It's more like here's the real the reality of the situation. Like it ain't pretty. It's a yeah. great it's a great little riff. It's a great. Like it's it's nasty. It's cool. So yeah, that that, that always jumps out because it's like the CD. What was that movie Rush? Yeah. Just the like, Jason Patrick like nineties uh-huh. movie. Okay. Uh-huh. It just has that uh, that shit's dirty and Miami Vicey kind of. <laughs> it's not it's not pretty. But it's point. not in the eighties. It's like it's like before that. Yeah. But it's cause it's but it, right. But it led. It's it's the yeah. The, it's the, the precursor. So exactly. Miami Vice was was uh, influenced by Life of the Fast Life. Got that's it. Exactly. That's what. Nice. It should be called. Uh, Neil, what you got? Well, it's an easy answer, but I really, I really do love Heroin Velvet Underground. It's <laughs> it's such a simple tune. Um, it's beautiful, and it it kind of um, it almost makes you feel like you know what you know he experienced when he wrote that. If he was on here, I'm sure he was on heroin. Um, <laughs> But more I, than, I love, more than I likely, love, I love the simplicity. I love the just the G and the D, just those those strumming chords and and the way it gets so um, dissonant and wild with the violin. It's, it's a really cool song. Well, and, and just playing two chords. I mean, you could think if you were just that fucked up. Yeah, that's yeah, the that's... only that's the only memory you got. <laughs> just like, uh, I would say something more recent. When I think about being messed, like being under the influences, there's a Kings Leon song called "Soft." Which is just about being so fucked up, you're you have you get limp tick. <laughs> the chorus is like, "I'm passed out in your garden. I'm in. I can't get off. Soft." Oh my god! <laughs> I really wonder if the probably is a beer and a half in when they wrote that song with those guys. <laughs> it's a shot of Jack Daniels uh, <laughs> and a, a strong whiff of it. Johnny, Johnny, what's your what's your second? There's a certain vibe to that Stone song, uh, "Moonlight Mile." Hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, that's good. That that it's just like it's so druggy. Like it's it's just got that contemplative pseudo deep bullshit that we all enamor ourselves with, like when yeah. we're fucking it's just it's and it's not overtly about it, but like I mean it's 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 of the essence. Yeah, it, absolutely. Uh Neil. Well, I guess apparently I really like songs about heroin because um, oh, nice. I really love that song "Golden Brown" by the Stranglers. You know that one with the harpsichord, "Golden" from Brown. the Snatch. Yeah, texture like sun lays yeah. me down with my mind. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah. That's that's that your, that's your number two go-to. I yeah, I I just love that song beyond even a drug song. I think it's a it's a very unique, cool song. Huh, interesting. I would have to go with a with a classic. White Rabbit Ooh, yes. is definitely kind yeah, of the the exactly one from that era that I think is is the best. You know, just that whole when it comes in, you don't even <laughs> have to be high, and you're just like, I I, I can tell oh, yeah. what, I, what I acid's going to do to me. Be, that's that's in the top three <laughs> all time. Like it, it makes you yeah. it immediately puts you in a place. It transports you somewhere for sure. On that note, with shit that's kind of obvious, I mean, cocaine, the fucking Clapton J.J. Kale cover. Cocaine's almost too on the nose for me. Pun intended or not? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's too on the nose. Pun always intended. It's a little uh. on the nose. But no, I mean, it's just so... The problem, all these songs, they make you want to do drugs, though. Like, they're not... 
<laughs> they don't make you not want to do drugs. Oh, like, my next one doesn't. But I'm so saying, you, like, when you hear that tune, you're just like, absolutely, I think I want to try me some of that. Like, what does, what's that all about? Neil, what you got? I will go with another classic, White Lines, Grandmaster Flash, Melly Mel. Huh. It's just, it's such <laughs> a good tune. And it's such a cautionary tale, but they make it sound extravagant. and So you pleasant. don't want none of this shit. <laughs> <laughs> they, the, basically, the music sounds great, it's but cheap. the lyrics are like, if you listen to the lyrics, you're like, oh, um, this sounds like a good time, but actually, this is a very bad story. Yeah, <laughs> well, going on bad stories, I mean, I would, and going back to the, the Stones well, I mean, Sister Morphine, I love that tune, but like, definitely is not a, a great depiction of, of what it's like to be all strung out. I love how they really got into drugs. <laughs> <laughs> they wrote that, and then they got... Way into drugs. That is such a fun song to sit and play on an acoustic guitar and sing. It's so fucking it's fun. It's a good one. Another one of my favorite druggy songs that you really don't hear too often is Needle in the Spoon by Leonard Skinner. It's just like one of those classic songs that m- maybe because I don't hear it as much, I would say it's better than some of their popular ones. It's probably not better than their popular ones, but it's just a great song. Needle I'm not sure spoon. I know that song, Very cool honestly. Too. Very cool. Yeah, I, I've heard it, but um, as far as Leonard Skinner, that smell is a great one, too. Yeah, that's all Absolutely. about all that stuff. Exactly. Absolutely. I ran into this article that uh, apparently Got to Get You Into My Life, written by Paul McCartney, was about marijuana, which is uh-huh. crazy. <clears throat> he said, like, it's an ode to pot. Um, <laughs> and, like, he basically, as soon as he smoked, he's like, it, I, I'm sh- like, the, the words sound more like a woman, but he's, it, you know, he admitted it was basically about gotta yeah. get pot in my life. That, that makes it. The Beatles drug song seemed too contrived to me. Like, it seemed like a little For too, sure. like, wink, wink. Mm-hmm. We're writing about drugs. It's the yeah. Beatles. Well, that's what not was my, cool not about my favorite this one Beatles is it's kind yeah. of hidden, I didn't know yeah. that. Johnny, you got another one? There's a, one of the Sabbath tunes. I can't think of what it is. Sweet Leaf? That could be the one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that might be it. Or he may um, be talking about tea. I'll throw one more out there. Is Actually, I'll throw two more out there. That I, I just always like. I mean, obviously, GNR, Mr. Brownstone, is just a very cool song about a substance and how it makes you feel. <laughs> and I, Fucking and love that too. Right, right. <laughs> um, and then, and then I will say Tom Petty's "You yes. Don't Know How It Feels" is a great fucking yes. song. Uh, about. So, and and that's song? yeah. Well, let's let's roll another joint to the point. Let's no, roll. That's, really a, that's just the song where they mention the radio. No, I would consider that a long. drug song you and lie, one of the best you don't ones. Know how feel. It paints it in such a good light. It, there, there's no like highs and lows. It's just you and a buddy. Like let's just roll a joint, fucking hang out. I think they mentioned it. I don't know if I would really consider that like like a drug song. I don't really like Rainy Day Women. I don't really like Purple Haze. <laughs> I don't. I don't ever want to. Like I don't Purple Haze. I mean, I don't never. I don't, never don't, need to hear you it just again. Heard it. You've never right. I've it's, heard both of those songs, but they're not songs that like. I've heard a lot of these songs. I just named a lot too, and I can still listen to them and enjoy them. Like I, I'm gonna turn Purple Haze off if it comes on. What? Yeah, Foxy Lady too. We we've had Fuck the, you. <laughs> I second that motion. <clears throat> and I'm gonna turn off Foxy. What? I have yeah. uh, I have one honorable Wayne's World mention. ruined that for me. One honorable right, well, mention on here you. is uh, Cypress Hill. So many oh. songs. I want to get high. <laughs> Cypress the Hill, blonde. their entire catalog. <laughs> it's the fun elastic, the blunt. The, the, the Cypress Hill catalog. Mortified, mortified on <laughs> <laughs> Well, I will say on that note. On the Cypress Hill note, you were listening to Pod Gave Rock and Roll to you, and we were discussing songs that discuss being under the influence, because this week we are talking about Pink Floyd's Comfortably Numb, a single from their 1980 album, The Wall. It's like one of those Mount Rushmore kind of songs. I mean, I'm not going to say it's a top four song of all time, but someone could say it would be, and I wouldn't disagree with them. I mean, it's just the peak of narrative and musicianship and imagination and spontaneity and just everything going right in music. And it has the dark and the light. It's mm-hmm. just everything art should be. I totally agree. I mean, I... Definitely. I, I, as soon as you said dark and light, I mean, that, that that's really what it's all about. 
And I know when I put it first put it on to listen to it, I was kind of like, is this is this a little too overproduced? But then by the time I got to, you know, when I was a child, I'm like passionately like <laughs> singing into the street. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. So it, it grabs you. And, and I, I think the main thing I take away from this song as I listen to it is how important the chorus is, how important when that comes in, that resolve. It's the classic Pink Floyd trick. And the most thing I like about this song is how it is so innocent. And it's, it, you, you almost feel like a child when you're listening to it. Absolutely. I heard the song Z106, the classic rock radio station in the Mississippi Delta when I was growing up, and I've always been a huge Floyd fan, probably my favorite band, and this is one of their best songs. I'm not going to say it's my favorite Floyd song, but it's it's definitely one of them. And like you guys are saying, I mean, I love how the dichotomy between the verses and the chorus compete, like the contrast between the mental and the physical states. It's almost like they're competing while maintaining a similar effect, right? The dis- the disconnect and, and and dissociation exists in in both, even though they have completely different feelings. It's almost like flying and, and drowning is what I think about when I hear both of them. Yeah, I, I'd also say the second solo is my favorite sound, guitar sound in any music that's ever that I've ever heard. So yeah. it gives me chills, like Neil was saying during the chorus when it's soaring. But the guitar solo for me it gives me chills every time I hear it. And everything that we've said, it's one of the more epic songs that you know, you can think of or listening, listen to in rock music. Yeah. Just the flying or drowning is perfect because this song is so consequential. It feels like such consequence, you know? Yeah. Is there a better first note anywhere in music? Boom. <laughs> it just hits with the bass. Yes. That first note where it hits and there's like the rising and like hello, the hello, first measure. Ah. No, even it, before it, that, it, just the very first boom. Yeah. And like, it's incredible. So the thing with Floyd, man, they seem to like it open up a space in music that you didn't realize was there. And it's not due to technical amazingness. I mean, obviously they're all great musicians, but it's not Eddie Van Halen. It's not even Hendrix. It's just like space and a perspective. They're almost like architects more to me almost than they are musicians. And that's the thing. And this song demonstrates that inherently because it's still a song. It's still a song. You can play on an acoustic guitar and mm-hmm. yet it's something you can take and turn into the biggest rock opera sounding thing you can imagine. And that's a, that's a hell of a trick to pull off, man. I don't, there really aren't many people who do that. Like, 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 like they, they're definitely a, a Mount Rushmore kind of yeah. band. Yeah. And I agree. I actually listening to this song at one point, I was watching a version of them, doing it live in 1980 in London where Roger Waters would sing um, the first part in front of this huge wall. And then Gilmore was 35 feet above the stage and the spotlight would just come on him and he'd, (laughs) there is no pain. When I was watching that, I was like, I realized how powerful what they were doing was. It's funny you said, Jonathan, about the architect thing, because these two, half of the band were studying to be architects in college. So you do get that throughout their catalog. You get that whole that push and pull between the architectural side and the musical side. I'm pretty sure Waters and and uh, and and Nick Mason were the architects, and and David Gilmore right. and Richard Wright were the right. musical guys. And honestly, you know, for for me, Dark Side is you know just a, a perfect piece of music. But this song kind of encapsulates that architect versus music thing so much because. Waters wrote the verses, Gilmore wrote the choruses, mm-hmm. and they're they're really just so different while still working together so effectively, which basically sums up this band yes, in general. Yes, yes. Is there any other band that has two lead singers that wor- that are so different but sound like the same voice? Not like sound, but they sound like they're coming from the same thought process. You know, it's... It's it's seamless and almost three because when when Richard Wright sings too, like I mean he sings a absolutely. lot. Absolutely. So I mean it's almost like they're interchangeable, man. It's well he kind of gives that he's a, just a great harmonic, bringing that falsetto-y thing in in, in the background in, in a lot of songs. When I first started listening to Pink Floyd when I was a, a kid, this was one of my favorite tunes. And for a long time, like Pink Floyd to me was like Daft Punk. I had no idea what they looked like. It was the 90s. There was no internet. I remember when I first saw a picture of them, I was like, it was so strange to actually put a face to the name. On that note, can we take a second to talk about how good looking David Gilmore is? 
Or at least was. I mean, Jesus Christ. I'm as straight, straight as it comes. And Jesus Christ, if that guy's not good looking. He's, he's, like, he's like, oh, yeah, we have this fucking Ralph Lauren Polo model fucking ripping it on the guitar in the, in the most honest, artistic, beautiful okay. way you can imagine. Yeah. Sure. Like, fuck him for being that awesome. Sure. I really don't even yeah, appreciate sure. it. Let, let, we can talk about that, but. That for the remainder of the pod. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just want to talk about how you never no, see it. I was watching a. On YouTube, I was watching a version of uh, the Pulse version, and it was so oh, yeah. funny because like Gilmore <laughs> so is just kind of like grayed out, and he has he has a black shirt tucked into like like light blue jeans. It's so funny because and when you read a little bit about th- about this song, everything we're talking about about the two of them, Gilmore and Neil, you brought up the Pulse one because Gilmore wanted to do the verses differently and, than Waters, and the Pulse one has the verses like he wanted to do it. And the yeah. Floyd versions from the seventies have them how Waters want to do. It's basically the the Gilmore version had like three different harmonies going on behind it, and it's a little grungy. Yeah, and it it is it, Waters. They, they, you know they were right to go with Waters' way because it it's so the way he does it with the with the content of the song. It's so clinical. Yeah, how yeah. he's and, singing, and it. that's a perfect word for what's going on in the song just reading up on the song and how they had that fight over which version to do. But you can't have the light without the dark. Yes, of course. But I, well, I like the light a little better. The darker, the dark, the brighter, the light, right? Can you show me where it hurts? There is no pain you are I don't think there's a lot of light in this song, mm. but just in the, in the, oh. Architect in, in the structure of the chorus, it goes major, and the, the, the verses all minor. Absolutely, yes, it, it does. It soars. It goes up. I feel like this song is optimistic, though. I feel like there is a lot of light in this song. I, I think this song is about loneliness and depression and manipulation. Well, maybe and maybe it's just the the um, arrangement that I like so much. But just I feel happy when I listen to the song. There's a grandeur. In the choruses, yes, that suggest optimism, and and, and but there <laughs> yes, is loss there. I'm not going to, I'm not going to deny there's not loss because there is loss. There is the when I was a child, but there is a, isn't it all just kind of fucking amazing? Yes, but the song, you know, the the lyric is basically about, I'm sick, I can't play tonight. A doctor gave me a shot. Now I got to go play. And looking out at all these people that he doesn't, it's, it's more like I keep saying it, disc, there's a disconnect. And I think the soaring you're getting is the drugs and the, and the high that you can get from, and how you can make yourself comfortably numb to get out of a bad situation. That's interesting. But, I, I but, like that observation, Josh. But I'm the, getting a but, little intellectual woody over here. Go ahead and keep going. Keep going. But the lyric, it, the lyric that they're singing is not he's like in a cloud you know he doesn't you know he's not Ooh, optimi- I like that <laughs> he's not optimist or anything he's just yep. there totally. and mm-hmm. everything he's disconnected from everything he just feels better because he got some drugs in his system mm, i know how that feels how can you avoid the sid barrett comparison to the song just like it almost sounds like they're singing about him which I don't know if they are or not. That, I don't think they are from what I read about. Not not in this song. No, I think no but you know what I'm saying? Times. Just kind of like a... Absolutely. A, because you're so well, lost. Well, that haunts their entire catalog, for sure. The lyrics are about Roger Waters getting drugged up before a show in Philadelphia and just being like, that was crazy. I can't believe I went and played for two hours. Since we're talking about it a little bit, the, I mean, this is a typical Roger Waters lyric. He says so much in such a simple manner with... And never really gets verbose with it. Mm-hmm. And this song is, is just like that. I mean, they, even though it's about him getting sick, there's so many other things you could read into, like, some of the lines. And I think, Jonathan, you mentioned this earlier, like, the space there. I mean, they're just short little sentences that have so much going on. What is what is What would you say your favorite lyric in the song is? The third verse when he's like, <laughs> When I was a child, I had a fleeting glimpse. Out of the corner of my eye, it's, it almost makes me feel like this song is about those moments you see in life. You can't even hold on to them. Like the, the most beautiful parts of life, it's such a fleeting glimpse. I dig that. It's funny. I still do fuck up the lyrics. I actually, I'm never going to stop singing. There is no pain you are receiving. 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 Yeah. 
And I've then, always thought that And then too. I always thought it was a distant ship more calm than horizons. Not smoke on the horizon. I had no idea. More calm than yeah, horizons? Yeah, I thought it was distant ships more, more calm, calm than, than horizons. Which makes no sense, but that's poetry. Like, it, it, it made sense to me. To each their own. Yes. <laughs> Johnny, Johnny what's, uh, what you got? Just that first time it goes to the major there, and there is no pain, you're receding. Yeah, yeah. A I distant, mean, that's a it's call. just such that's an interesting call. place to go. Mm. It, you know, oh, like, it's interesting. All right. It'd be so easy to get caught in your own bullshit, but like the imagery they come up with there is next level. It is. Well, yeah, because I mean, the verses are basically just questions and answers. It, I mean, although my favorite line is "Hello." <laughs> um, <laughs> hello, hello. <laughs> no, hello? no, no. The, 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 no, the, the chorus lyric is, is my favorite. But here's what's so clever about this song. Here's what I love about this fucking song. <laughs> this is pretty clever. It's the solo. The solo is the most soaring part of this song. That second solo. The second solo. Forget about it. And it is it is played over the verse. So it is played yep. over the like dark part of the song we're talking about. And so that's what and when I listen to this song all week, it is like if if you're going off the you're flying when you're on the drugs, but you're still coming back down to this sadness. That, that really is like you're drowning. I, I don't know. I was yeah. listening to it the other yeah. day, and I was like, fuck, man. This solo just sounds like if you're drowning and trying to get back to the top yeah. or get back to where you were. It's it's, it's so you Dirty beautiful. motherfucker, I love it. Hey, it's Dan from the Pop Culture Hootenanny Podcast, and I just want to give you a little intro breakdown of what our show is. We're kind of a movie review podcast. We talk about random nonsense that comes up from the backstories, behind-the-scenes stories, and whatever else we want to talk about during our episodes. Uh, here's a few clips to check us out. There's a why do we cheer on? And this is a question for what we can discuss right now. Why do we cheer on sociopaths in movies where we know that they're doing wrong in almost every single way? Because we like the I, hijinks that ensue. Because it's yeah, we it's it, we like the hijinks that ensues, right? We have so many jaded tropes in our head. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like. There are certain movies that will try to make something look serious, and for a younger generation, it might be their version of, let's say, Arnold calling out the Predator. One, two, three, four, pop culture, who nanny, pop culture, who nanny, pop culture, who nanny, pop culture, who nanny. Let's get on to the guitar. Like, I... <laughs> This is the first time I put in my notes like a guitar section because you could have a whole podcast <laughs> just about the guitar in this song. Yeah. We could we could talk about just the guitar work in the song for 20 minutes. We won't, <laughs> but we might. <laughs> we might. <laughs> um, but no, to to what you brought up before, Josh, the second one is better. The first one's more melodic, but the I mean the second one comes in and it's like no the more. The first one's a tease. Yeah. Second one it's is like no more Mr. Nice Guy. I'm coming in. Well, I don't know if I feel comfortable with that. <laughs> oh, I don't care, Johnny. But that second guitar solo is—it it really is the blues. It's pentatonic. It's what David Gilmore does so well. Just hits you in the face with just this melodic, very architectural way of playing guitar. He plays the same five notes as everybody else. Mm -hmm. And to be he fair, sure though, the songs are better, but it's the juxtaposition of existentialism is like the European blues, right? It's not, mm -hmm. I'm well, oppressed, I'm a minority, I'm fucking, it's not that. But it's the same, it's, a, it's an anguish mm -hmm. that would still exist. And especially if you were born in the middle of a world war, which I think plays a lot into the conviction these yeah. guys have. Yeah. They were they were born, they were oppressed at birth by fucking Hitler. I mean, granted, yeah, they were getting the shit bombed out of. I exactly. mean, you know, exactly. It was literally, it was literally physical oppression. It's like psychology. Like Floyd is just, it feels like you're in, in therapy, and that's why for someone to pull that out of the same five fucking notes everyone else plays, mm -hmm. it's just unspeakably incredible. I would say he's my favorite guitar player. I would rather hear him play guitar than anybody else. I probably like the guitar work in Dogs more than I do in this song, but I mean, as a, it's different. It's guitar centric. It, it is as just a straight up solo, I, and I'm curious that because every time I heard it this week and every time I heard it in my life, 
I get chills. It's it's similar to what like when we were talking about Thunderstruck a couple couple weeks ago, to where you just get that. It's not a straight adrenaline rush. It's almost like a. It it almost makes me. It almost takes away the pain. You know, I am kind of numb a little bit. It's Gilmore and just his effortless way of playing these same notes that we all play and making them sound completely different. It's the same stuff that all the blues players are playing, you know, not quite in the same phrasing. It made me wonder, does he even look at the neck the same way we do? Because he's playing the pentatonic, but is he really? You know what the difference is? It's the quality of the song. Mm -hmm. His song is better than anybody else's song. You cannot separate the tone and the notes from the quality of the songwriting. Sure, but he's not playing the melody in the solo. But, but that's not the point, though. It's the narrative. It's just like it's like the closest thing to this yeah. is like Boston. Yeah. Uh, right. Well, and that's, and that's that's a good comp. Yeah, where it's just because yeah. it's but it's the know, but it's the quality of this. The, notice how that's just the tone. That's the tone in the production. Is, is but I would encourage Boston, everyone to go not, recognize and go listen. Notice how all the best guitar players happen to be playing on the best songs. It's not a coincidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just to dig in, dig in a little deeper on the second one, the way um, they anticipate it with like those couple bars, like he was just doing a couple bends, then he's then he just starts digging in, and um, closer to the end where he's like, like just hitting. Talk about that. Oh my god! It's a guitar fucking face off. Kind of con- so w- before we kind of move completely off the guitar solos, let, let me let me just ask a question. So, Jonathan, what is your favorite part of the solo? With Gilmore, like on that outro solo, it's not necessarily even any specific like note, except some of his some of his little inner idiosyncrasies between notes, where he's like muted those little things like that. Oh yeah, it's just the overall thematic intention. It's so. Every fucking note, me. It's it's more like it's not even a particular part. It's just that he is focused on extending this narrative. Now you hear what I think. Now you hear how I feel, and you actually can feel who this person is through these notes. So it's it's more the intention, I would say. Yeah, and kind of listening to it and watching versions, just the way he uses the tremolo on a strat or the whammy or whatever you want to call it. He's almost the whole solo. He's holding that and just slightly bending every note. He's bending it on the neck and bending it with a whammy at the same time, but never going overboard, never, never kind of making it cheesy the whole time. It's he's wobbly, but in full control. It's kind of like clinical baby, clinical Clinical baby. (laughs) That shit. It's doctoral. I I, I would say mine is that build up to that last big bend. Like kind of towards the end. That's that's my favorite part. Yeah. I think what you're hearing, Josh, and I'm not certain, but it feels like a combination of overdrive compression, which makes it feel tight. But then reverb, which gives it space. Mm-hmm. But that being said, Sweet none of that spot. matters if you're not playing over a song this good. Absolutely. Yeah. So speaking of space, the, yeah. the other thing I would say is that that really stands out. It, it, the, the drums are really, I mean, they're pretty straightforward, what he's playing. They're really up front in the mix. Come on, come down. Well, that's the beauty of this mix is like everything seems like it's up like everything's just so articulate i mean the drums as always hold it together but just one more thing about the music and the guitar is and and to what i was just speaking to that that through line of the chorus that the you talking about the strings it's it's tough to tell they they produce it so well that it just sounds like music you're like i don't even know is that a guitar i think it's strings That that like that kind of like that's a cinematic yeah, thing yeah, it, that they yeah. do in the chorus that like adds to that soaring feeling. You can play that in any song. 
and th- this is a great version of it. There's arpeggiating the chords. Yeah, yeah, arpeggios, yeah. With yeah. the synth kind of sound, mm-hmm. and it gives like a, a pseudo-classical kind of vibe. Well, and yeah, you don't even hear it unless you're really listening. Like it's, it's just part of the experience. As far as production, just the way it comes in on the album after Vera and Bring the Boys Back Home, it's such a perfect setup for this song. This song comes in three quarters of the way through the wall, and it's clearly one of the best tunes, but it's such a perfect place for it. It's almost done. We're not at the end yet, but like, oh, you didn't think we could get any higher? And here, here you go. Well, here's the thing. Like, Truth be told, like I don't love the wall. Like it's not. I don't. I don't either. So I second that. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not saying it's no but good. When's the just, last time you listened to it? You don't. I just don't like it when I hear. I, I, today, I listen to it today. I just, I don't, I just don't. But there's so many good. There, it's just, it's a long uh, album. But there's a lot. I'm of I'm not good saying songs. it's not good. I'm but just like it's there's Roger 26 Waters. songs on there. I mean, I mean it, it's Roger Waters' fest, and like I don't enjoy Roger. But Waters it, re- it really doesn't bog down until the end. I would say eight of the last twelve songs are like, eh. Yeah, I, I don't really love the whole thematic rock opera not this is rock opera but um, I don't I don't, I don't tend know. to like that the last four songs on the on the album I mean like after Run Like Hell like I don't need to hear any of the other songs after that I mean compared to like Metal and Animals and Dark Side like Abs- absolutely I'd rather listen to those all day long yeah it's a long album but Mother Goodbye Blue Sky Empty Spaces sure. Young Lust Hey You the first eight songs on the album are great yes there's gonna be filler there's gonna be filler but there's there's a I, I just don't I didn't a, enjoy the theme though I don't the, I don't like the theme of existential loss or whatever the well, fuck like I just don't enjoy that and you can you can tell that this is the end of their run I mean like if you listen to this album and especially you yeah. know this song I, you know reading about this song he was just like we fought it like this yeah. was one of the biggest fights we and had making this album was doing this song the way Wasn't this the last song they wrote together? Probably yeah. I, I think he Roger Waters wrote I think every song on the next Floyd album. Well yeah, and he he left the band soon after this album. And then they continued on as a band, With and then the he sued them. And he was upset right. about it. He was like, how, how dare you have Pink Floyd without me? I've seen both of these guys live solo in the last five years. And this is the only song that either one of them played where I was like, oh, I wish the other one was here. <laughs> because yeah. the vocals in this song are so particular mm-hmm. to each of these guys in, in, in the chorus and the verse sections that and Waters doesn't have a typical – Gilmore has a beautiful voice, I think. Yeah, it's, and Waters does not, but it is very cool how he sings. It's effective, and this, very effective. and mm-hmm. this this song really lets his voice stand out. I think it does, but it lets Gilmore's shine like a. This is Gilmore, one of Gilmore's swan songs. It's this shining moment. It's because every video I watched, um, whether it was Pink Floyd or David Gilmore, when he comes in, it's just fucking magical like it just changes the whole song it's it 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 goes from a mediocre pink floyd song to a one of the best ever but in an alley who's more important the motherfucker throwing the ball or the dude dunking it it's tough it's tough to say yeah, that's true. But here's why it's so. Here's that's a great analogy, Jonathan. But here's so what's so funny about this song. I know I keep coming back to this, but Water sounds like he's actually sick, and then Gilmore sounds like he's floating. Yes, so as he should. In there terms is of no the pain. the content of the song, it's just so fucking perfect. Perfect. Yes, how yes. Just, that their voices sound like that, and you know this is a song about you know. Well, so I, I would I would always say this song, Jonathan, is one of the things you you always bring up where you're like it's one of those songs that has like like you said it starts off really good, and then it goes to that chorus which is great, and then that second solo is just takes it to levels that yeah. put it in that <laughs> land of top you know rock songs of all time. Pink Floyd made me recognize that. that it really is literally Pink Floyd that demonstrated <laughs> that to me. It's like oh that's how you are great. You, you got to come up with a name for that. Start the good, Floyd. get great, and do something unimaginably good. You should just call it <laughs> the Floyd from now it's on. I think Floyd. as far as talking about the song, I think we're all in agreement. It's perfect. It's pretty good. <laughs> it's a pretty good song. Uh, and Neil, bringing us right into the vibe time section of our pod, uh, cue the theme music in three, two, one. Hold on, let me check the batteries in this thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, Neil. We'll, we'll start with you. 
When do you not want to hear this song? Let's put it that yeah, way. Yeah, that, that's a questions. better question. But it's a it's a very specific song. I mean, I think it really. I is. think I want to I want to hear it in headphones when I'm just putting it on for myself because it's not, it's it's not a party song. You can't really put it on at, in too many um, absolutely social situations. So yeah, I want to listen to this song by myself, whether I'm comfortably numb or not. That Johnny. Really, anytime. It just blankets you in emotion and vibe. Once it comes on, you're just in the song, so it just takes over. And and that's that's fair. I, mean, that, I don't. It, it makes washing the di- the dishes sublime, <laughs> right? I mean, it, it makes everything fucking existentially profound. It makes and everything so, comfortably numb. So I want to hear it when I'm most bored. So it just turns my frown upside down and then upside down yet again. <laughs> um, nice. This song is about as close as you can get to synthesizing drugs as possible. The, the chorus, absolutely. What kind of drugs? I would say opioids. Yeah. I mean, this is basically, this This song could be relevant today just for o- the opioid stuff. This is definitely a song for, like, if it came on in the car on the radio, like, coming back from work, perfect time. Yeah. When it comes on the radio, when, who fucking turns this off? If it comes on the radio? It, yes, absolutely. No, you not fucking a song crank it up. Of. If this comes on the actual FM radio... Time to time for thirty one. Hello, thirty one. Yeah, you're and you're stopped next to somebody air guitar in on the steering wheel and you don't give a fuck. I want to hear the song at the dentist office. Just like laying back. Just Novocaine. Novocaine, <laughs> Lidocaine. Yeah. Just Oh man. Then, and then the drill. Yeah, the I feel like yes, brain. yes. This should be played under, at all dentist office. Under I, I, but definitely <laughs> under the influence, which is where we are. Have been and are now going. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. What? What? I mean, I like you said earlier, Jonathan. I mean, I think Floyd is kind of an entity of itself. Like, it's it's similar to Dylan. We talked about a couple of weeks ago. I don't really know where they came from. Jimi Hendrix said they were the mad scientists of rock and roll. Yeah, and, he's and, not and right. he and he he's was talking about it when they had Sid and, Barrett. He didn't even hear this right. shit before I they got this, great. Right. This song specifically, I think, definitely was influenced by Bowie. But yeah, other than that, they're they're kind of their own animal. I mean, they they've inspired I mean, a lot of they've inspired a lot of music henceforth. But um, there's not much to point to other than kind of like trippy rock. I think they're it, yeah. I think they're inspired by the crushing weight of reality and what does anything fucking matter? That's a great <laughs> answer. That's a great answer. Life. They're influenced by life. Which is, which is uh, why they're yeah. so good is because they're not influenced they're by so other artists. Everyone they're not like, identify with it. Cause it wasn't, right. it wasn't yeah. like rhythm and blues. Like I'm, are we going to do this? I'm going to do folk music. They're like, we're just going to create this new sound. And yeah, they're but they're also like an intellectual rock that come from like a working class background. So they, they really do get out to their, yeah, they're no, very it, universal, yeah. which is surprising. They're an intellect, rock band that is for the masses which is a testament to his songwriting i would say probably exactly. first and it's foremost exactly what it is. and 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 how he he writes yeah. songs but i would say it's something that they have influenced it's something that's very similar to the song it's uh los colones colones uh, i think it's oh what is it colones and the album is called the wave it, it, just, it, it, it feels it? like it just came from this song gotcha. it's just a newer band uh, it probably came it out could also be five influenced by the farmers big pharma it kind of feels like the, that. No, this influenced the uh, Sackler family and pharma industries. Those <laughs> was, scumbag pieces of shit. <laughs> I would also say this influenced guitar playing. Ah, uh, <laughs> damn right it did. <laughs> <laughs> now let's uh, let's uh, let's stop fooling around and uh, get under the covers. How yeah. can you have any pudding if you haven't eaten your meat? <laughs> <laughs> Another brick part one is better than part two, uh, I would say. Jonathan, covers, you listen to how many? Will they do it independently out of those covers? Like, Yeah, I, I would so, say those are different versions for sure. I mean, obviously the go-to is with Van Morrison singing fucking... I mean, <laughs> I mean, what what else is there really? Right, well, I mean, no, but you have the well. It's also it's it's Waters the band and Van Van oh, Morrison yeah. singing oh. the Gilmore and part. And this is uh, that was at the end of the Departed, right? And it was on. It was in an uh, episode uh, of uh, Sopranos. Sopranos. Oh, yeah, nice. when yeah. he kills nice. Chrissy. Well, that makes perfect sense. It's, the the Roger Waters, Van Morrison the band version. It's good, but it, I I don't think it's better than the Pulse version. Okay. Well. 
It's just cool to hear Van I got, Morrison. I got, I got one tonality. for you guys. I got one for you guys. I listened to Government Mule's version from Dark Side oh, of the yeah. Mule. The Mule, baby. <laughs> Dark Side of the Mule. Which was, it was a, um, out of here. It was an album that. Let's stay on the bright side. No, listen. It was an album they recorded in 2008 no, the um, at uh, Boston's Orthium Theater. Three nights in a row, uh, kind of during Halloween, they just covered Pink Floyd. Oh, nice. So Dark Side of the Mule, they, they play the song. And the funny thing is, the vocals are better than the guitar playing from Warren Haynes. Warren Haynes really? can't huh. do David Gilmore. He tries. It, it's, it's fun because he, he, he's loud. It's, it's almost like half Allman Brothers, half fucking Pink Floyd, this, right. like, this super loud guitar playing. But the vocals actually surprised me. It's a really good version. The Pulse version is probably the best, but the, the live in Pompeii, uh, Lavelle, the keyboard player for the Stones, sings the Waters oh, parts not yeah. well. Chuck Lavelle. And, but, but I think, yeah, Chuck Lavelle, but I think that version, the solo in that is so is probably the best. Yes. From Pulse? Solo. And for, no, 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 from the out. Pompeii 2016. Oh. Where, 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 where do you listen to that? Where do you listen to that? YouTube. You can watch it on YouTube. Yeah. Just watching him play that and just thinking about it's him so playing good. in that same... He doesn't miss a note. But No, he doesn't. No, he never misses a note. That's Gilmore. He's a fucking... In the, in the Live Aid, in the Live Aid, when they're their sure, last show I'm together... Sure he, he has he, missed a note. He, he's off on that first note okay. going into the second but solo. What I was trying to get also to a great was just Sorry. watching that version, him playing this song, and just thinking about him playing that same, like ancient theater 40 years later after you know oh, yeah, live in pompeii the thing with when i whenever i think of pompeii i just think of echoes that fucking echoes oh, is yeah. like <laughs> oh yeah get the fuck out let me let me list the, the so the scissor sisters did a disco version of this and it's song pretty cool which i do not i mean it basically sounds like if the bgs would have done yes this like which is cool it's fine it, I, I didn't no like pain. it no you it's receiving <laughs> so it sounds like a chimpanzee factory up in this motherfucker. <laughs> no, and then there's another one by a band called the Bad Plus. They, Plus they basically bad. do like a a like jazzy chaotic version of this. That's not terrible, but it doesn't do solos, which actually they probably shouldn't do the the way they're doing it. Um, and then, of course, Stained has a live acoustic cover. Stained? That is uh, Stained. Is that the, has been a while, the guy? It's yeah, been a while. That guy. That guy? I think, I, actually, I have no idea. Uh, uh, maybe. What kind of stain is he? Stained, it's like that uh, alts uh, sh- shit rock. No, it was just, like. He's <laughs> a shit stain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what kind of stained it is. It's a shit stained. <laughs> well, they should just call themselves Skidmark. <laughs> well, all right, all right. So let's go to our, let's go to our does the shoe how does the shoe fit section. Neil, how does the shoe fit with comfortably? Uh, no, the shoe fits very comfortably, like a child's pair of Velcro shoes. Like oh. on your way to the doctor's office, you're you're strapping you up your shoes. That those- yeah, that's how it fits. That's hilarious. Johnny. These shoes fit like a pair of slippers they give you at the men award after they give you a fucking lobotomy. <laughs> Thor, doing the Thorzine shuffle? Yeah. See, okay, so mine's yeah, similar. Like, these, these shoes fit like those fucking shoes they give you at, like, at a fucking spa after you've gotten like a massage and you're in fucking cloud nine. You're floating. You mean like a pedicure? No. <laughs> Like after you got a massage. I'm sorry, I've never been to a spa and gotten a massage. So, enlighten me, well, old fucking. It may not be Bel- called a spa. Ones. Wherever you fucking go to get a massage, I which always is call nowhere, them spas. Which is fucking my bed. Like I don't, I don't go get massages. Well, you're missing <laughs> out. Apparently, there is no pain okay. you are receding. <laughs> <laughs> years ago, I don't know. It's probably 15, 15 years ago now. My buddy had an in where he was a bartender at the Vanity Fair Oscar party, and he got me. On as a waiter, and I did exactly what you're not supposed to. I wouldn't talk to everybody I liked. Yeah. <laughs> but at one point, I saw somebody, and like Mick Jagger was there. I mean, Dolly Parton was there. Everybody was there. I mean, if fucking Philip Seymour Hoffman won that year, you know, he was there with his Oscar for Capote. And 
at one point I saw somebody and I was like, who is that? Because everybody is somebody. You're like, who is that person? Is it Richard Gere? I was like, oh, no, it's Roger Waters. I was like, holy yeah. fucking shit. And I went to get my buddy and he was bartending. And I was like, dude, you have to come with me right now. And he's like, I'm kind of busy. He was literally pouring drinks for JLo and Madonna. <laughs> they were right there at the bar and he was pouring drinks for them. Well, just, just to that point, I mean, I think I'd rather... After talking about this song, I'd rather hang out with Roger Waters. I'd rather jam with David Gilmour. Okay, copy that. Hold on. What happened? You gotta let him finish that story, man. I thought. What are you doing? Okay, no. It's, I thought you queued it up. To it, me. it was worth it, Josh. It was worth it. <laughs> for your enjoyment. I, I, for your enjoyment, it was worth it. <laughs> it was so worth it. It was so worth it. Neil, uh, Neil, thank you for making my story better. Okay. Did, did you or did you not cue me up? No, not no. at all. Oh. No. I'm sorry. He was not. He was not. I, I just. I okay. finished the story, okay. Johnny. So, I saw a guy, blah, blah, blah. He was, I was like, dude, you have to come with me right now. He was literally making drinks for JLo and Madonna. He's like, I'm kind of busy. I just saw Roger Waters. And his brother was the other bartender. This was at um, Morton's in Beverly Hills. He came with me. We fought through the crowd. And suddenly we were standing in front of Roger Waters. Like two little school children just like... I was just stupefied. I literally had nothing to say. And my buddy was like, <laughs> he said to him, he's like, we're Do trying to figure drink? out who's the most important person here in the room, you or Mick Jagger. Cause Mick Jagger was literally a couple people over and, and Roger Otter was just like, well, I'm older. And so it was just one of those crazy ass LA things that only happen when you go, you know, to where the action is. Uh, on that note, <laughs> you were listening to Podcast Rock and Roll to you. <laughs> and now we're going to play a cover of Pete Floyd's Comfortably Numb.
The cover you just heard was performed by Jonathan Horton. Thanks for listening to Pod Gave Rock and Roll to you. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and rate on Apple, iTunes, and Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you'd like to communicate with us, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram under the handle at Pod Gave Rock. Feel free to send in song suggestions. Next week is Neil's week, so what will we be discussing, Neil? We will be talking about Wilco's song from Summer Teeth via Chicago. Can't wait!